Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, July 22nd, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. It's Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. So the Slash Film team is back from Comic-Con. Uh, I, uh, it was, it was, uh, pretty insane on Saturday. I want to thank you guys, uh, because you three, uh, were the people at home on the ground, uh, you know, at at home helping the people on the ground get the stuff up because we were, that Marvel panel was just insane. Uh, we'll talk about that in a a few seconds. So I want to thank you. And I also want to thank, uh, HT and Jacob, uh, being, (laughs) You know, at war and Hall H uh, covering this stuff. It, it was just uh, a barrage of of news. And um, I also want to apologize that, uh, you know, doing a daily podcast <laughs> is tough. And on the weekend on Saturday, we doing things remotely and not doing things the way we normally do things. Uh, sometimes things can go wrong. And on our Saturday version of the podcast, there was some audio hiccups. And uh, no, it wasn't just your connection to the podcast. Uh, it was 
our problem and there was no way of fixing it. So I apologize about that. But uh, hopefully the episode, uh, the uh, uh, the Marvel episode was much better. So anyways, okay, so before we get to the news, guys, I wanted to hear what you guys think about all these Marvel Comic-Con announcements. Uh, let's start with Brad. Uh, I was very surprised by how much they uh, dove into in this presentation, especially with the reveals of what, of uh, certain specific details on the upcoming projects. Um I I think I'm most curious as to like just how uh, deep the new Disney Plus TV shows are going to tie into the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Obviously, so far shows like Agents of Shield and all of the uh, street level superhero shows um, that form the Defenders were part of the MCU, but not really anything more than tangentially connected to them. And it really seems like these will have an integral part in fleshing out the story of the MCU rather than just being uh, non-essential. I think that Marvel's hope is to make them uh, necessary viewing, especially with that WandaVision series, apparently tying directly into the Doctor Strange sequel. Uh, And speaking of which I'm it's honestly, it's the Doctor Strange movie and uh, Thor movie that I'm probably most excited simply based on the titles. You have Thor love and thunder and Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. And both of those just sound like they're going to be incredibly stylish. They're going to dive into weirder uh, sides of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're going to do surprising things with the characters. I love the idea of bringing back Natalie Portman as uh, Thor, uh, the goddess of thunder. And yeah, there's just there's so many exciting things that they announced that I was I was floored that they're they're doing so much. Yeah, I think it's really telling that they included the TV shows, the Disney Plus TV shows, on that graph of Phase 4 and the importance of those. Uh, Ben, what are your thoughts? Um, Yeah, I mean, I was, I guess overwhelmed is the wrong word because we knew that almost all of these things were coming. I think, is that right? I think we knew actually that all of this stuff was coming. All of it had been sort of rumored or rumbled about right beforehand. It's Um, a blade. Oh, right. Yeah. The blade thing. That, that was cool. That, that uh, the stuff at the end, you know, the mentions of Fantastic Four and mutants and, you know, that stuff we knew as well. But Blade was like brand new. And especially for Mahershala Ali to to walk out. And I guess we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Although that, you're saying all the projects we, we knew about. Yeah, we knew about Thor four, but we didn't know it was going to call be called Love and Thunder and you know, bring back Natalie Portman as a right, Thor. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, you know, there was just uh, yeah, overwhelmed, I guess, might be the right word. <laughs> looking back on it all, especially considering, you know, just like not being in the room and just like hearing you guys talk about, oh, my God, this is happening. They just said this. And like, we're barely barely having time to process the thing before it before they're on to the next one. You know, this is probably getting into too much minutia, but before like these big events, what we do on the Slash Home Slack is we we write up posts like we plan for everything so that we have things ready and then we can add the details to those posts. So like we had a like a post about Thor 4 and like having details about Taika Waititi and everything we knew about it so that we could quickly fill in the details when we learned them and publish it, even with us preparing all that stuff. We were ill-fully unprepared. So. Yeah, because we thought that um, at D23 was when they were going to talk about all the TV stuff. And it was very apparent very early, like, oh, shit, they're going to talk about all this TV stuff here. Yeah. And it, it must have been pretty amazing for you guys to sort of be in the room and see all those people, you know, being trotted out and the whole deal. So It was crazy. Uh, Chris, I know you are 
the one here that is probably the least excited about the future of the MCU. But, uh, you know, this, they did announce the first MCU horror film. Yeah, I mean, the, these announcements, they all more or less sounded fine. I, I I did not go as crazy over this as you guys did, just because, I don't know, it's, it's very hard for me to get too worked up over this stuff. Not that I don't care, it's just that it's so early in the process. Like this is comp. This was literally like a PowerPoint presentation. Like, all right, it's cool that these movies will eventually come out, but there's so little there yet that I, 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 I will my- say when you're there, you do see a lot more like those, those logos were not just logos. They had like these like animated intros that unfortunately we were not able to like videotape or anything. And you're Chris, you were there last year when you're in that room. And, you know, they're doing like you were there for what was it? The Warner Brothers panel? Like yeah. it is a show. No. Yeah, it's it. Yeah. But again, I wasn't there this yeah. year. So it was <laughs> it was uh, it wasn't really, you know, it's fine. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm the least excited of everyone here, but I'm also not like, oh, these all sound terrible because they all sound pretty cool, especially, you know, the Thor movie sounds really fun. Uh, I'm excited about a, a new Blade movie, even though I don't know how they're going to make that fit into the MCU because it, it seems so far removed from that. But I guess we'll see. So, uh, you know, obviously I will end up seeing all of these movies when they exist. But for now, I'm I'm sort of uh, neutral. OK, let's uh, we have a lot of news to get to a lot of fallout from Comic-Con. You know, Kevin Feige did some interviews after the presentation and clarified a bunch of things. Uh, let's start first with the LGBTQ Marvel heroes that are going to be apparently spread across Phase 4. Ben, what do we know? Yeah, so uh, Tessa Thompson during the panel mentioned that in Thor Love and Thunder, her character Valkyrie needs to find her queen. And that is, uh, of course, confirmation that her character is bisexual, which we knew from Thor Ragnarok, but a scene that sort of like explicitly uh, detailed that, or not explicit, that's probably the wrong word to use in this context, but uh, specifically <laughs> detailed that uh, that piece of information ended up being cut from Thor Ragnarok. So it was much more sort of left up to interpretation. And even though Tessa Thompson was talking a lot about that at the time, the movie itself, you know, the, a lot of people were hoping that the film itself would have included more references to that and, and sort of uh, normalized that a little bit more. And it sounds like in an interview with uh, with io9 that Kevin Feige did after that panel, it sounds like we're going to be seeing and, and getting an LGBTQ friendly story for Valkyrie in Thor Love and, Th- uh, Love and Thunder. He said the answer is yes. How that impacts the story remains to be seen. But that level of re- representation you will see across our films, not just in Thor 4. So, so what uh, does that mean, Ben? What well, it means, mean? it means that uh, in The Eternals, which is another movie that they announced uh, officially, uh, one one of those characters is going to be LGBTQ in that, in that film. So we're not sure whether that's like a hero or a villain, but uh, Feige specifically confirmed that w- uh, to Collider um, in another interview right after uh, the Comic-Con panel. So, I mean, this is basically the floodgates are, are being opened and hopefully in a way that is, you know, much more um, sort of inclusive and em- embracing those aspects of these characters instead of just what... Uh, Marvel's parent company Disney has been doing lately in a lot of these live action movies with gay characters. It's just been sort of like barely mentioning it or, you know, not not having it be 
um, something that uh, the the LGBTQ community can really latch onto and appreciate as like a a yeah. piece of uh, representation that really like matters to them. It's not so, substantial in any way. Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, he hasn't said you know what other movies that or, or TV shows. I guess the the Disney Plus stuff could count as well. Um, but he he mentioned Phase Four. You know, some of these projects are going to have LGBTQ characters. So um, you know that that's just a it's going to be a, a big step forward for Marvel. Okay, so the biggest surprise at the Marvel panel was at the end uh, when it was revealed that they are doing a Blade reboot. Chris, how did this come together? Uh, so believe it or not, uh, Mahershala Ali literally just went to Kevin Feige and said, "I want to play Blade," and Kevin Feige said, "Okay." And, and this I can't really follow- like the week after he won the Oscar. Right. right, yeah, it happened pretty much on the heels of him winning his Oscar for Green Book. So, uh, he, yeah, he just went to Kevin Feige. He said, "Look, I really want to play Blade." Kevin Feige was like, "All right, how can I say no to that?" And <laughs> that's really it. I mean, there's really nothing else to go on. There's no director attached. There's no story. And so, does this um, mean it's not going to be in Phase Four? Right, it's definitely not in Phase Four. It'll at the earliest, it'll be Phase Five, which isn't till. 2022 but it could even be later than that so for you know we're gonna have to wait a little while but for now this is this is cool casting he's a great actor um you know blade is a really cool character you know as cool as it would have been to have somehow wesley snipes come back you know he's a lot older now i don't i don't know you know how that would really work even though he's expressed interest you know online and coming back but maybe they can give him like a cameo or something who knows but uh, you know, we're, this is still a long ways off, but this is this is pretty cool. I, I'm excited to see how this turns out. <laughs> you mentioned before how it might be weird for this to be combined with the MCU. Do you, do you think like maybe they could have this finally be like one of those series that takes place in the MCU, but it's not really connected? I you know, uh, if if you ask me now, yes. I don't know how else they could do it. It's, you know. They haven't really established vampires in, in the MCU yet, but you know, like I said, this is going to be a, 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 a at least one phase away. So they have it between now and then to be like, oh, by the way, there are vampires. But at the same time, maybe they. Sh- I wish Marvel would take a you know a breather and make some sort of standalone movies. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I haven't seen it yet. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I, I kind of wish they would do something like. DC is doing with that Joker movie where, you know, it doesn't actually have anything to do with continuity, but it's still, you know, considered part of the MCU. I think that would be neat. I would say the the one thing surprising about the announcements is kind of how they don't seem to be that connected to one another. So I was, I was wondering, does that excite you that it seems to be like about beginnings? It does. I, uh, you know, I, what I, one of the things I did like about this announcement is that, you know, while some things tie together, like, you know, the the WandaVision show will tie into Doctor Strange or whatever, a lot of these things, they sound very much like their own stories. Like, I can't imagine how, you know, Black Widow connects to Thor, <laughs> Love and Thunder and so on. And so I, I, I kind of like that. I, I want Marvel to, you know, they, they already spent the last few years doing their big connective thing i think it would be neat for them to do something completely different now you know i walked out of this panel uh, you know (laughs) overwhelmed exhausted by all these announcements but i was also scratching my head as i said on the podcast yesterday on how this is the first time that marvel 
has announced a phase of movies where there isn't an endpoint that kind of you know le- all leads to one endpoint. Like you know, phase one led to Avengers, phase two led to Age of Ultron, phase three led to you know Infinity War and Endgame. You know, it was all you know leading up to something. This didn't. I theorized on the podcast that maybe this isn't all of phase four. Maybe there's more to be announced at D23 Expo. Brad, was I wrong? Uh, it does seem so, because Kevin Feige was specifically asked about the uh, lack of an Avengers project appearing in this phase. Uh, and this does seem to be the entirety of phase four. Um, Kevin Feige spoke with IGN after the panel was finished and was directly asked about uh, whether or not there was an Avengers movie in our midst or why there wasn't one announced for this phase. And he said, well, we had a movie this year called Avengers Endgame, and it is very much an ending, as you saw, to so many of those characters. So Phase 4 is about beginnings, and Phase 4 is about learning new things about characters you already think you know, like Black Widow, meeting incredible new characters like the Eternals and Shang-Chi, going on new adventures with Doctor Strange and Thor, and these Disney Plus shows, which I promise will be spectacular and not what anybody's expecting. So it uh, it sounds like there won't be an Avengers movie for Phase 4. There's no surprise announcement in our midst. Uh, This will be how Phase 4 turns out. And honestly, I kind of like that because it seems like they're mixing up their formula a little bit. We're not just going to be dealing with phases where, okay, here's some uh, individual franchises, and then here's an Avengers movie. And then, all right, here's more of individual franchises, and here's an Avengers movie. But that doesn't mean that we're not still leading to something big. Uh, You guys just talked about how this uh, phase four doesn't really seem to have much interconnectivity uh, as far as like seeing a clear way how they'll all tie together. But that's also how the first phase of the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe was in general. All We had all these origin stories for Thor and Captain America and Iron Man, and there wasn't that interconnectivity. That yeah, was... but, but at the end of that, you had that Avengers movie. Like, you know, I would just be happy with like one like, you know, Civil War at the end of this or something. Well, for sure. Well, I mean, I don't know. For me, I feel like the, the, the this phase will be about planting the seeds that will probably lead to something bigger like that. And if anything, I'm betting that this is probably all set up for introducing the idea of the new Avengers. And that that will be something that comes maybe in phase five. And we'll start and then we'll start to see the shape of what it is we're going towards as far as the big uh, Infinity War endgame level event that will be coming. And I'm willing to bet that it'll end up being tied to the introduction of Fantastic Four and X-Men. I hate to be that conspiracy theory guy that's like, you know, has the thing set in his heart and he's like, no, it's going to be this. But I I really think they're going to add something in here at the end of this phase. (laughs) I could be totally wrong. But uh, Ben, do do you have any thoughts? Like, am I just totally insane? Uh, I think you're a little bit insane, Peter, of course. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting that they have four movies and none of them theoretically are going to include or or uh, at least from what we know right now are going to include a lot of the biggest character, you know, Black Panther and um, and even like Ant-Man and Spider-Man and some of that. So, you know, you know, none of those characters, there aren't really opportunities here based on what little we know about these properties yet to introduce those characters. And if they do, it's going to seem like, why isn't everybody that, you know, like, like you, like you mentioned yeah. civil war, that was a big captain America movie, but it felt kind of like an Avengers movie because everybody was there. And otherwise when characters have popped up in uh, different solo movies or whatever, it sort of felt like, 
like like the example I think of is Homecoming, right? Where it's like Iron Man showed up to sort of help that help Spider Man along into you know for his yeah. like full entrance into the MCU, and it doesn't really seem like there's an opportunity for a big team up based on the properties that they've announced here, at least in the movie world. I'm interested to see if there's any sort of uh, other crossovers that we we don't see coming. I'm I feel like Marvel has made a lot of money on this, like made a lot of money on. You know, introducing characters, you know, having a Captain Marvel movie and being like, oh, she's going to play a huge part in Endgame, you know, having Black Panther movie and be like, oh, he's going to play a big part in Infinity War like, and setting up these big things that are to look forward to. And then when they introduce someone, getting people excited about these new characters in a way that like, you know, Hollywood has not been able to do elsewhere <laughs> um, because they're a part of that end of the phase thing and without the end of the phase thing, I don't know. I'm just a little skeptical, but I, I would never bet against Marvel because they are the only thing making money consistently in Hollywood. So, <laughs> um, let, let's talk about Natalie Portman. The other big surprise, Ben, how did that come about? Yeah. So that deal actually, um, the idea of bringing Natalie Portman in back into the world of Thor, apparently began with Taika Waititi making Thor Ragnarok. And he was on the set of that movie, according to uh, The Hollywood Reporter's Heat Vision. He was on the set of that movie reading Jason Aaron's fan-favorite comic run that featured a female Thor and had that idea to bring Natalie Portman back then. And her deal has actually been in the works, or not even in the works, it was completed in secret six months ago. So... This has been, you know, something that she, you know, people were sort of wondering, like, oh, yeah, she showed up at the Avengers Endgame premiere because Natalie Portman has had like a, an interesting history with Marvel, right? Because once uh, Patty Jenkins was, was hired to direct um, Thor The Dark World and then she was fired off that movie, Natalie Portman was not thrilled about that. And she hasn't really been featured in a Marvel movie since 2013 in a in a notable way. Um, but yeah, now she's going to she be She was back. in Endgame, but like that was using cut footage or edited footage so everybody just speculated that we would never see her again right yeah so that's part of the big surprise here and the other surprise is like yeah how long this has been sort of in the works so um apparently uh, kevin feige told uh hollywood reporter that we set natalie and taika up and in one meeting she agreed to do it so that was like one of the big ideas that they had um for for this movie so uh yeah i'm happy to see it because like brad i i I'm very excited about Natalie Portman returning to this world, but it uh, it definitely caught me by surprise. I mean, Portman was unhappy with how those first two Thor movies turned out. I I think even in the same way that um, Hemsworth was. And do you think, what do you think led her back? Is it Taika or is it the prospect of being, you know, a lead Marvel hero? Uh, I think it's probably a combination of both because, you know, Taika revitalized that franchise in a way that none of us really saw coming, especially after Thor The Dark World. And I think he has he's really, um, you know, his passion and his approach on it has really rubbed off on Hemsworth in a great way. And I think it's it's sort of given him a new lease on this character. And, and um, I think the idea for Portman to play a female hero instead of just a love interest is probably a pretty enticing one. And then also to do that under the guidance of Taika Waititi in a movie where Natalie Portman is not exactly known for her comedic prowess, but neither was Hemsworth in those early days. And I feel like he's become consistently like one of the, you know, most surprisingly funny performers out there. Um, And I think maybe this could be one of those things where it shows people a new side to Natalie Portman. I'm sure she would be, you know, open to uh, 
to showing the world that side of her. Well, oh, but she likes money too. That too. But she, she also did tweet out a photo of her at the at the Hall H um, presentation, and she said, "Like, look at this as my p- before photo, and the after photo is going to be jacked." So uh, I'm, I'm wondering how jacked Natalie Portman's going to get. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you played some audio from uh, an interview for uh, Captain Marvel where uh, Samuel L. Jackson was showing you a video of Brie Larson lifting a car. So I wonder if Natalie Portman's going to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, she, I'm sure she's just as dedicated as Brie Larson, so I wouldn't bet against it. Okay, uh, lastly, The Eternals is probably a property that we know the least about. I mean, I, we don't really know what that film is going to be. But uh, Kevin Feige was asked about the Eternals, and he did give up some details. Brad, what did he say? Yes. Uh, in case you didn't see, after the Marvel panel this weekend, there, uh, there was a piece of concept art from the Eternals that surfaced as part of Marvel's tradition of releasing uh, some concept art posters at Comic-Con uh, as handouts for fans who are actually in attendance there. And since Black Widow and the Eternals are the next two uh, titles on their release timeline, those are the ones who got posters this time. And along with that, we uh, we got news that kind of ties into that because that concept art shows the Celestials, which are these big cosmic beings. They're the ones who the Collector talked about in Guardians of the Galaxy, who have the ability to wield the Infinity Stones and can use them to do uh, things that require crazy amounts of power. You see one destroying... Uh, an entire you know civilization and a planet um, when the Guardians are learning about the origins of the Infinity Stones. And Kevin Feige said we'll learn a lot more about them and the Eternals uh, as well. And so uh, what Feige said was it will be a story that will introduce you to this incredibly eclectic group of immortals. They're the focus of the story. It takes place in our universe. It takes place in the MCU. So you hear mentions and stuff about it, but the Celestials go back a long way. We know a little about them. The Collector told us about Celestials. Nowhere is the severed head of a Celestial. Ego was involved uh, with them, but we learn much more about their agenda and what they've been up to. So, uh, for me, and maybe I'm just reading into it into a, I, I don't, don't want to say a negative way, but a, um, you know, an intriguing way is that it sounds like maybe the Celestials aren't necessarily uh, full-on good guys. Um, We were told during the Marvel Comic-Con panel that the Eternals have been tasked by the Celestials to protect Earth from a group of humanoids called the Deviants. Um, Beyond that, we don't know much about what the movie will entail, but I I feel like whenever you have uh, any kind of organization or uh, board or group of people who tell another group what to do, there's usually something that's questionable or nefarious about their intentions as to why they want to do that. Uh, we can see evidence of that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with S.H.I.E.L.D. turning into HYDRA. Uh, so there's um, probably something at play here that maybe the Celestials want to happen that the Eternals don't know about. It's also intriguing that they mention Ego being involved with them. Uh, obviously, he was very powerful himself. He was a Celestial as well. But one has to wonder if maybe he was used to do something... Uh, that the Celestials told um, other Celestials told him to do that is a little bit more uh, menacing of a plan for the universe. Uh, Feige at the end of the panel, before they made that Blade reveal, did mention Fantastic Four and X-Men. That excited fans who thought maybe that might mean that they're further along in development on those than we had anticipated. Did Did Kevin say anything about those properties? Just a little bit, but it's really um, the only thing is just that 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 mention was just to kind of tease fans that they have control of those characters now. 
they uh, will plan on doing something with them. Uh, Feige himself said that he was extremely excited about the, uh, those characters and about bringing Marvel's first family up to the platform and the level that they deserve, uh, which definitely implies that the previous Fantastic Four movies did not do that. Um, but otherwise, there's not any real active development. He said they haven't even cracked a story for either of those franchises yet, and they haven't even uh, begun casting. So as we've heard, that's something that is probably much further off Um at the very least in phase five, maybe not even until phase six, because uh, even back when the Fox deal um, with Disney was coming together, a lot of questions were asked about their plans for Fantastic Four and X-Men. And since the deal only just closed at the beginning of this year, none of Marvel's plans, which we know are uh, in order for the next five years, had those characters involved because they weren't for sure going to get them and they didn't want to rely on that kind of plan. That doesn't mean that Marvel's plan uh, over the next five years couldn't change because as we've seen, plenty of projects got shuffled around, moved back, never happened. Look, look what happened with Spider-Man. And in humans as well, yeah. So, you know, anything can happen, but at this point I feel like uh, we're just going to have to wait and see how they're going to uh, introduce those characters in the universe, especially because... You know, Fantastic Four will have a big impact on the cosmic side of things, and X-Men is uh, will be even trickier because it has such a huge roster of characters. And when you have a character like Magneto who is tied to real history and you have all these characters where a big thematic element surrounding them is the idea of people being afraid of them um, and not being accepted because they are, you know, what are called mutants. But we live in a world where people mostly love superheroes, um, but then again, you know, Spider-Man could start to change that with him be, um, being framed to be this sort of villain now. So maybe we'll go back to an era where people are scared of people who have superpowers again. Well, I think uh, I think we're all under the belief that we're probably going to see the Fantastic Four before we see the mutants. But uh, more than that, at a later time, we, we have a couple other stories I want to get to today because they happened uh, over the last week. Uh, we, we just weren't able to get to them while we were at Comic-Con the first of which they announced not one but two Halloween sequels that will end this uh, trilogy. Chris, what do we know? Yeah, so we we know we knew for a fact that uh, there was going to be at least one more Halloween sequel coming from Blumhouse, and that David Gordon Green was probably going to come back, and Jamie Lee Curtis was going to come back, and we, you know that was pretty much a given. And there was a rumor that there was might actually be two sequels, but that wasn't confirmed until. Uh, last week when John Carpenter was the first person to tweet out this little video announcement that revealed that there are indeed two Halloween movies coming back to back. Um, the first one is, ca- is called uh, Halloween Kills, and that'll be due out October 16th, 2020. And then Halloween Ends will come out the following year on October 15th, 2021. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. David Gordon Green is coming back. Uh, Danny McBride will be back. Pretty much everyone from the first film, or not first film, but the the last Halloween is going to be back for these two sequels, which will presumably finally conclude the the Michael Myers slash Laurie Strode story. Do, Do these titles tell us anything? I mean, Halloween Kills is really vague. I mean, but Halloween Ends sounds pretty definite. So I, I'm guessing, you know, that's going to wrap everything up. But we've also, you know, horror movies are notorious for putting like final and ending and stuff in their title. And then 
they come back and make 10 more sequels so who knows yeah i don't buy this is gonna be the end of halloween but we'll have uh, to see. chris real quick um on i think it was the last water cooler jacob was talking about uh halloween three and how that movie really has nothing to do with michael myers do you think that there's a chance that they're saying halloween ends for michael myers but they'll continue making halloween movies that don't involve him or do you think that michael myers is halloween you know with the iconography of that and they're just gonna have to keep making movies with that character uh yeah you know as much as like horror fans have come around on halloween 3 i do think you know they make these movies not just for horror fans they make them for the general public and if they started releasing halloween movies again without michael myers the same thing would happen all over again, where the general public would be like, what the hell is this? Where is Michael Myers? But could, could they do copycat killers, people dressing as Michael Myers? On uh, if, they, people on if they did, I would be furious. So no, they cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, our last story is about Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker. I guess uh, very, very vague spoilers coming up. I, I wouldn't really consider it a spoiler uh, as much as, uh, in, I guess, a statement and anticipation building sure. up. Sure. Yeah. Hype? Sure. Hype? Sure. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe. <laughs> um, so, well, well um, first of all, there's an addition to this little tidbit we're going to discuss here in a second. Uh, if you look at the weekend stories, there was uh, a revelation of a new TIE fighter and also the promise of an, uh, a b- backstory for Kylo Ren. Um, and how he became to work with the Knights of Ren. By the way, that's coming but, from Charles Soule, who is a great writer. He's he's done a bunch of my favorite comic books, and apparently that's coming out before the movie comes out, which is a surprise because that's going to chronicle Kylo Ren from, uh, I guess, from his training up until we see him in Force Awakens. Yeah, it's, it'll be a short, uh, limited comic series. It comes out right before the movie, sometime in, in December. Um, it's called The Rise of Kylo Ren, and yeah, it's uh, the image is him standing with the Knights of Ren, so the, it's the story that a lot of fans have wanted to see, and he said that uh, it, it is definitely something that we aren't prepared for. Um, but on top of that, uh, this little extra tidbit uh, came from Kevin Smith, who is always talking about Star Wars, uh, and at Comic-Con is always talking endlessly about everything that he loves. And uh, in case you hadn't heard, Kevin Smith uh, had a heart attack back in early 2018. And uh, when he was recovering, J.J. Abrams had promised to have him come visit the set of The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, he'd previously visited The Force Awakens set, famously cried all about it and seeing you know, the Millennium Falcon back and everything. Uh, and it, Kevin Smith did indeed get to visit Pinewood Studios while they were filming. And there was uh, one thing that a lot of people were buzzing about and they told him that he had to see and it was uh, some set on the movie where the final shot takes place. Smith doesn't mention what the set is uh, or what the final shot entails for obvious reasons, uh, but there was he said that there was, quote, a lot of scuttlebutt about the set there at Pinewood, and a lot of people were like, you have to see this. When you see it, it will melt your mind. And he said, so I asked JJ, they keep telling me I should see this set. He's like, don't. It's the last shot of the movie. You don't want this spoiled. You want to be in a theater when this happens? Trust me. So... Uh, after hearing that, he also heard some other people on the crew saying that they wish they hadn't seen it. Uh, and again, it will melt your mind. So after thinking about it, uh, Smith said, as inquisitive as I am and as curious as I am, I desperately wanted to go look. But when you talk to the magician and the magician is like, trust me on this one. Uh, you, you know, sometimes as human beings, we want to know how they pull the rabbit out of the hat. But JJ is such a magical magician that I'm just like, you know what? Do it. Trick me. I'll wait and get tricked. So he opted not to see the set. 
and uh, this is um it's intriguing if only because i don't i don't know what could possibly be in the final shot of this movie that would like and it, it should be clear it's like not like they were filming the final shot of the movie it's they didn't want him to see the location of the right exactly shot. the only thing that i can think is that maybe the set is some new like uh maybe like the the new jedi temple a lot of people have talked about the idea of the title of the rise of skywalker meaning that skywalker is this new designation uh, of Jedi, a, a new kind of warrior that is force sensitive, but not necessarily tied to the ways of the Jedi. And so part of me wonders if maybe the final shot is Rey and th- there's this, you know, a new, you know, batch of recruits that she has that she's training to be Skywalkers. And maybe it's, the, it's this big, elegant temple like structure. Maybe there are like statues of Luke or Yoda or Obi Wan or something like that. But even thinking of that, a, it seems too obvious, and B, that's not something that would really melt my mind. So I, I don't, I don't know. This uh, maybe it's just Kevin Smith being hyperbolic. Um, but if if this is what all the crew members were telling him, then th- there's got to be something in the the set of this, you know, final shot that is apparently epic. Yeah, this is gonna make my brain buzz for like a week, tr- just trying to think of what it could be talk, what he could be talking about. But um. Okay, I, I think we've gone over time here. That brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find links to all the stories we mentioned today in the show notes. By the way, you should check out HD's article on the new person who is cast as Shane Chi. She she basically explains who he is, his his uh, background as an actor, uh, where you can find some of his work. So if you want to catch up on him before the movie hits, check out that article. Uh, Vanessa Armstrong also has an article on Marvel Studios' uh, most electrifying moments at San Diego Comic-Con. It's a retrospective. It's a good article. Check that out as well. I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, this podcast is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And head on over to our, our iTunes page. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>